NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, I did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Let's get a big thumbs up. Get ready to rock and roll today. Let's have some fun. 400 laps. I got you guys there. Have a great day. 10-4. Tonight, we'll make it happen. We know what we got to do. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Great racetrack here with uh, with Texas Motor Speedway. It lended itself to our advantage here today. It was kind of hard to pass, and the four was a little bit better than us there at the end, but we were out front where we needed to be. Off four, side by side, on the inside, Chase Elliott. Bristol's a, a physical place. You know, you don't have a lot of time down the straightaways to think about things. You very much so get into a rhythm of just running. I feel like you're just wide open all the time. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Hercules Tires. Ride on our strength. From the Motor Racing Network studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live. Mike Bagley and the MRN crew here with you for another weekly get-together and Boy, do we have a show for you today. Over the weekend in the O'Reilly Auto Parts 500 at Texas Motor Speedway, Kyle Busch finally snapped the streak and went back to victory lane. He'd been hovering seconds and thirds, and, well, he was able to get his first first of 2018. Kyle's going to join us and talk about that first win of the season and also give us a preview into this week's Food City 500 at Bristol. MRN's Kyle Rickey spoke with Casey Kane over the weekend at Texas. We'll hear about his adjustment to Levine Family Racing and a lot more. President of Richmond Raceway, Dennis Bickmeyer, will stop by and talk about the Toyota Owners 400 coming up next weekend at Richmond Raceway. We'll preview this week's podcast series. MRN presents the 1993 season 25 years later. And Kim Kuhn will have a social media minute. Plus, we'll look back on this week in NASCAR history and a whole lot more. Starting us off this week, Woody Kane stopping by with the latest in news. Woody, what do you have? Mike, Monster Energy and NASCAR have reached a deal on a one-year extension that will keep the energy drink company as the title sponsor of the Cup Series through 2019. NASCAR Chief Operating Officer Steve Phelps said he doubts Monster will return as title sponsor after next year, primarily because NASCAR is eyeing changing the business model away from a single entitlement sponsor. We're talking about broadening it, so it's not just one company at the top of the pyramid, if you will, but it's multiple categories, multiple companies that will allow us to, again, make it easier. We think there's greater value, frankly, for the sponsors by doing this. No financial terms of the deal were released. Elsewhere, the NASCAR Wheel and Euro Series will add a big name starting at this weekend's season opener in Spain. NASCAR Hall of Fame nominee and former Cup champ Bobby Labonte will run the full schedule in Europe. It's not like the Cup Series here. I mean, they NASCAR racing over there is exciting. It's close. You know, what I saw in Brands Hatch last year was 
amazing. Two days, and, and they have four races, and, you know, the fans are like, you know, they're just in awe of looking at it. The Euro Series features six American-style events with multiple races at each. 31 cars from 20 teams in 18 countries are entered this weekend. Mike? Thanks, Woody. Coming up next, we're going face-to-face with Casey Kane, and later, Kyle Busch joins us. Battery testing from AutoZone helps you do a lot. It saves someone from buying a new battery they didn't need. It helps start a truck, a car, a minivan, not once, but twice. And it proved that this ride only had a loose cable. Just one less thing to worry about. And it's just one of the services that AutoZone offers for free. From battery testing to helpful advice, doing more is what we do best. See store for details. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Progressive presents Get Pumped. Inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Hey, what's that look on your face? Defeat? You want to save more money? Then start playing as a team. Bundle home and auto with Progressive. That's how you win big savings. What? You need music to get pumped? Let's do this. Hold on, I'm going to turn it up. That's too loud. Yeah, that's better. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all stages situations. We go face-to-face with Casey Kane next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live as we get set to go to Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend. We reflect back to the events of Texas Motor Speedway for just a moment or two. And over the weekend at Texas, MRN's Kyle Ricky sat down with Casey Kane and talked with Casey about his adjustment to Levine Family Racing in 2018. Yeah, I think the transition was actually pretty simple. Uh... You know, with all of my things, Hendrick, um, working with them to get all my stuff and get it in the LFR cars and the LFR guys working on it. And it took a week, uh, probably took like two, three weeks before we, I felt really comfortable with it all and working with my new guys and stuff. But ever since then, it's it's been uh, it's been easy. It's been fine, like just normal stuff. And it's just more about, you know, getting the car to uh, drive and, and things like you know, just to race a little bit better. We haven't had much speed, so we're still working on that side of it. It is a smaller team. You don't have the resources uh, that you you once have. Has it been a bigger challenge maybe than than you expected? Yeah, I think to this point it has been. I would have expected to go faster much sooner. So, um, yeah, it's been a bigger challenge. Uh, I've said all along if we learn from the things we're doing and keep, uh, you know, use those things the next week and keep learning from those things, then... I think we'll keep getting better, and I don't feel like we've been doing a very good job of that. So I think it's, hopefully as time goes, we start using the things that we learn, and um, I feel like right now we've used some of them, but not all of them. So we just had to keep keep after it and keep learning together as a team and working together as a team and um, remember those things at the next race and make the proper changes to help that problem that we might may might have had. Um, you know, so I feel like that's where we're at, and we just had to keep keep after it. It is a single car team. There has been some talk in the past of expanding. That has not happened yet. Uh, do you feel that there is a benefit there if, if that day does come that, you know, it would benefit this team to expand to two cars? Uh, I just think this is a one-car team, you know. I don't really know if it would expand, change, anything. I've never heard that, so I'm not real sure. How's your outlook changed for race weekends, uh, going from, from Hendrick to, to this team uh, at LFR? 
Uh, I think it's changed a bit. I, I feel like it, you know, at Hendrick, one thing, I felt like it got real stale there, um, you know, like throughout a lot of last year, it was just real kind of just doing the same thing every week over and over again. And then we got daring at the end, and that was kind of a breath of fresh air to have like a little different mindset and things see things happen differently. I thought the team stepped up some at that point, and uh, Darren was cool to work with, so I enjoyed all that. Um, you know, and, and this year I just always feel like, man, if we just work together, learn together, like we can keep improving. And you know, and I have a really good outlook at that. And um, I think our team does as well. And I feel like that's uh, it's a group that wants to really get better and, and do a great job and work hard. And that's what they've done. So. Um, yeah, I just think we just have to keep looking at things together and clean up a little bit of that, do a better job there, and uh, hopefully we can progress and get in that top 15 here soon. Final question for you. Uh, grassroots racing has come up a lot um, here the last couple of weeks. Your thoughts on grassroots racing and fusing it with the National Series. Uh, I believe you mentioned at the Chili Bowl earlier this year that it was good for you to get out go to a short track and not feel like you were doing something wrong. Um, I, I mean, how important is that side of the sport to the National Series? Well, I've always really been into the grassroots side and have tried to stay as close to it as possible. It was it was time for, a few, for hard for a few years there with HMS, but uh, it's not anymore. LFR is all about me doing, you know, anything. And to get back to racing is, is great on my end, and that's one way that I look at it. So I love grassroots racing. I've always been into the dirt stuff and some of the pavement, but more into the dirt, just where I came from. So, uh, yeah, staying, staying part of that, whether I'm racing those cars myself or just trying to promote and keep cars on the track, keep uh, teams and drivers out there racing them as well. Yeah, I really, really enjoy that. I've seen uh, Harvick's talked a lot more about that this year and, and other, other guys as well. So it's, uh, to me, that's pretty cool. That's where you have to start somewhere and the fans you know, they, all these little towns and things where there's racetracks. I mean, they have to start somewhere too, especially the, the younger fans. So, yeah, I think it's all part of uh, growing auto racing in a way, and uh, and it's awesome racing. Like it's some of the best racing you'll find. That's Casey Kane and our Kyle Ricky over the weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. You know, Kyle asked Casey about the importance of grassroots racing in America, and there's been a lot of talk about that topic in the garage this year. For more on that. Here's MRN's Steve Post. A hot-button topic in recent weeks in the NASCAR community has been the support or maybe the lack of support for short track racing. The short track industry is vast. The 2016 National Speedway Directory lists more than 1,300 short tracks in America. They are ranging from dirt tracks to drag strips to motocross tracks to asphalt speedways. There is likely a racetrack very close by to each and every one of us. Kevin Harvick started much of this recent conversation when he shared his passion for the grassroots. I feel like it's important for our sport to be a part of keeping those regional series healthy because in my opinion, you know, all those hardcore NASCAR fans that we talk about losing, a lot of that starts at the grassroots level. And, you know, the reason that, that we lose a lot of those fans is because a lot of those racetracks disappeared. But we need to re-energize um, that short track system in order to get it to the point where it needs to be. Kevin recently raced in his hometown of Bakersfield, California in a NASCAR K&N Series event. And the support he received there was huge. A driver who never is shy to hit up a local short track is Kyle Larson. 
He generally runs a wing sprint car, and he thinks drivers like him need to race these tracks as much as possible. I feel like everybody needs to encourage me and others to go race at your local short track and all that because I feel like we've lost touch with our grassroots race fans. I really think with, with me going back and doing that stuff and, you know, Kyle Busch going around late model races throughout the year really kind of gets those local guys, local fans, you know, back excited about NASCAR, um, where I feel like the last decade or so they've kind of you know, lost touch with it. Larson actually negotiates in his contract with team owners Chip Ganassi and Felix Sabatis the ability to go race when he is able to fit it in his schedule. Team owner and former driver Tony Stewart is another guy who can be found most Friday and Saturday nights at a short track, and he sees the short tracks not only as a way to generate fan interest, but also young drivers. Well, it's not only bringing in new fans, but, I mean, the Dale Earnhardt Juniors, the Kevin Harvicks, the Ryan Blaney's, the Eric Jones, uh, you know, these young guys, they, they had to come from somewhere, and that's where they come from, short track racing. And it doesn't matter whether it's dirt or pavement. Like you say, if you can if you can get people to a short track race and they like it, those are the same people that, you know, will watch an Indy car race, will watch a sports car race, will watch a NASCAR race, will watch drag racing. But, you know, that's where a lot of uh, young kids get their first taste of racing is their father or grandfather takes them to a short track and takes them to their first race and that's uh you know that's how you keep the cycle going and keep these these fans coming keeping the cycle going keeping the fans coming to races that is the challenge the easiest thing to do is point the finger at nascar or to point the finger of blame at drivers for this disconnect but maybe it's a bit simpler than that many of our nascar drivers are racing and supporting the grassroots level of racing the question is are NASCAR fans going beyond the nights when the superstars show up at the local track? Could it be as simple as buying a ticket and going to a local grassroots race? If that's the case, then all of us are the answer to the struggles of the American short track. I could not agree more, Postman. Thanks so much. Coming up next, President of Richmond Raceway, Dennis Bickmeyer is going to join us. And later, we'll preview this week's podcast series, MRN Presents, the 1993 season, 25 years later. From the racetrack to the road home, fill up with Sunoco, the official fuel of NASCAR. Sunoco makes high-quality performance fuels for the greatest drivers in the world, both on and off the track. Whether you are pulling up to the pump or experiencing the excitement of being at the track on race day, this will be a four-tire change. They've already topped it off with Sunoco fuel. Side service complete, second can of Sunoco fuel in. He's down and away. You can trust Sunoco to be the fuel that keeps you going. Capture the essence of racing and fill up with the official fuel of NASCAR, Sunoco. Things happen fast in racing, and if you don't know where to look, you can miss it all. With Legend from Racing Electronics, you'll never miss another moment. Legend gives you live fan vision video, in-car cameras, and stats at NASCAR and other Premier Series events. And the next-generation race scanner for unfiltered driver and crew audio at any motorsports event nationwide. NASCAR fans have never been closer to the action. Welcome to the future of the fan experience. Learn more by visiting racingelectronics.com. President of Richmond Raceway, Dennis Bickmeyer, is coming up next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Once we clear Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend, it'll be off to Richmond Raceway the following weekend, second short track race in a row. And joining us here on NASCAR Live to talk about it is the president of Richmond Raceway, Dennis Bickmeyer. Dennis, welcome back to NASCAR Live. How are you? Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here and uh, glad that uh, NASCAR's returned to Richmond right around the corner. 
It is indeed. We'll be there next weekend for the Toyota Owners 400 and also the Toyota Care 250 for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of the actual racing weekend, I know that there's a big project going on at Richmond Raceway, and a lot of it is focused on the infield. Bring us up to speed about perhaps maybe what we'll notice and what we'll see when we hit the property next weekend. Well, what you're going to see is you're going to see a whole new garage set up for the Monster Energy NASCAR, uh, the Cup Series team. So it's pretty amazing. And then, you know, it is still going to be a construction zone uh, for our April race weekend. And we'll get all the uh, the fan amenity part of the new infield, the $30 million project. We'll get all that done between the April race and the September race, which is a playoff race this year. But all the competition side of the infield will be done. Uh, for the April race, but we'll really look forward to cutting the ribbon on that uh, in September. But I know the teams are going to be really pleased with their new working space, that's for sure. For those that may not remember, for those that may have missed it, what all are you doing to the racetrack, and what will be different when everybody comes back in the fall for your playoff race? Yeah, so what's different is really it's a whole new infield. If you uh, if you think of Richmond Raceway, if you've been here before, you know we blew up everything in the infield except the scoring tower and the care center in there. So everything's going to be completely new in there for the competitors and for the fans. But really, when we looked at this design to redo the infield, we really looked at it with a from a fan's perspective. And when they come back in September, they're actually going to be able to walk into the garages. You know, I, I talked to so many fans, and one of the things that stuck with me, a fan said to me one time, like, I've been coming here for 20-plus years. I've done everything there is to do at the racetrack. I've never walked into the garage. And with this new infield design and how these new garages are designed, we're going to solve that for that fan and, and, and many other fans who take advantage of the opportunity to come in the infield. You can actually – there's a fan side of the garage, and then there's a the competitor side of the garage. And they literally do walk into the garage. They're elevated about three and a half feet, and the teams are going to be right there in front of them working on the cars and then there's just a lot of space for fans now with uh, some shade structures concessions we used to have uh, a concession area in there that was a pop-up tent an easy up tent now we have two big massive concession stands in there uh that we're going to be able to to serve some some great virginia food and beverage in there to our fans but it's just a, a complete overhaul of the infield and then we also built a new party deck out in turn four which I think is going to be a really neat race day experience. It's only 25 bucks to get into the party deck. It is 21 and over in there. And then we've lined turns three and four with some trackside RV. So three real new components uh, to Richmond Raceway. But like I said, we'll look forward to cutting the ribbon, completing the infield in September. What feedback did you and the folks at the racetrack get to send you down the path of this reimagining of Richmond Raceway? What started all this? It's been interesting, Mike. You know, our company, International Speedway Corporation, has done a great job of investing in our facilities. We've seen it at Daytona. We see it going on now at ISM Raceway in Phoenix. And, you know, we've been working for a couple of years to get ourselves positioned as well for what we call impact capital. And really, it goes back a few years of creating a master plan of what we want to do with the facility overall. It is a 70-year-old facility. Uh, you know, we're one of the, you know, one of the three oldest there with Darlington and Martinsville. Um, so it needs some updating and modernizing. And one of the things that we always talked about, too, is we can't let it lose its old school charm as well. I mean, it's a historic racetrack for a reason. But we do want to update it and modernize it. People want a different experience when they come to a live sporting event now. So we really have kind of looked at it in those terms. We looked at what a lot of the new stadium and arena designs have 
and what we can incorporate into our racetrack. It's just we're going to be a little different than Daytona and, and what's going on out in, at ISM Raceway is that, you know, we're going to hopefully kind of piece ours together over time. That still remains to be seen. we got to get this first piece done in the infield. But we really took a look at what the facility needed overall. And amazingly, we, we needed to strengthen the core of the racetrack. And by that, you needed to strengthen the infrastructure, the underground stuff, water, drainage, electrical. And it, and it, it you know, maybe sounds kind of elementary, but to support any bigger development, we hope down the road, you had to get the stuff underground right. And so much of that ran right through the middle of the infield. So it really just made sense to let's start reimagining the facility, but let's start in the infield and let's get our core strong. Chatting with Dennis Bickmeyer, the president of Richmond Raceway. We mentioned we'll be there next weekend, Friday night, April 20th, the Toyota Care 250 for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And then, of course, a week from Saturday, the Toyota Owners 400 for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. I imagine that the Toyota Care 250 has taken on a different complexion now that the NASCAR Dash for Cash for the Xfinity Series drivers are, is up for grabs. Yeah, definitely. There's some uh, some added uh, uh, financial incentive on the line for some of our Xfinity Series drivers. So uh, I think that uh, is certainly an added element to, to the race weekend uh, for the four drivers that are available to, to score some, some extra dough when they, uh, when they come through Richmond. And I think the other piece of this, too, is let's not forget about this as we get through our April race weekend and we point towards the fall. When both of these series come back in the fall, they're coming back as playoff races. We are the first Xfinity Series playoff race, and we're the second Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series playoff race. So it kind of adds another little, uh, you know, tweak or, you know, uh, something a little different about this race weekend because, you know, you're coming here to win a race and hopefully qualify for the playoffs, but you're also coming to learn a lot because your playoff life could be on the line here when you get back in the fall. How can folks get tickets to be a part of the fun? Well, you can go to richmondraceway.com, check out all of our ticket packages and, and everything there. Call our great ticket folks at 866-455-RACE, which is 7223. And, yes, you're right, we are back under the lights um, for this uh, April race weekend, and it feels like home. And, uh, you know, we are the first night race of the year uh, for these guys. So, again, uh, another added little twist to the weekend. I uh, can't wait to get there, Dennis. Thanks so much for joining us. Can't wait to see you and the crew next weekend. Look forward to it. Thank you. That's Dennis Bickmeyer, president of Richmond Raceway. Still to come, Kim Kuhn has a social media minute, and later, Kyle Busch joins us. Grunt style. The American fighting spirit is in everything we make. We are 500 patriots and veterans strong, bringing clothing manufacturing back to the United States of America. Always moving forward, never retreating, never giving up. We are Grunt Style, and this we'll defend. Get yours at GruntStyle.com. When the sun goes down, the NASCAR stars come out. The Spring Race Weekend at Richmond Raceway, back under the lights. April 20th and 21st, the Toyota Care 250 on Friday, and Saturday night's Toyota Owners 400. Get your tickets at richmondraceway.com. NASCAR in Richmond. Some things are better under the lights. Folks, if you've yet to make your plans for Memorial Day weekend, might I suggest a trip to the World Center of Racing in Daytona Beach, Florida. You're going to have a blast. It's the Great American Music Fest at Daytona. 
Country 500, and that has three days of jam-packed excitement. Toby Keith is going to be there, Chris Stapleton, Dirks Bentley, Sugarland, Billy Currington, and a whole lot more. There is a lot to do on that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and you can be there. Just take a trip to country500.com or call 844-500-FEST for tickets, camping, parking, and other festival information. Kim Kuhn joins us next with a social media minute. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Thanks for hanging out with us this week on NASCAR Live. Joining us now with all of the latest social media buzz is Kim Kuhn. Kim, what's up? Well, Mike, it was a good day if your name was Blaney on Saturday. First, Ryan took the win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Texas. And then just 30 minutes later, his dad, Dave Blaney, took the checkers at Port Royal. Ryan tweeted, so cool to win on the same day my pops did. Dad won at Port Royal about 30 minutes after our Texas win. It was a fun phone call afterwards. And Ryan included some photos of himself in Texas Motor Speedway Victory Lane and then photos of his dad in Victory Lane at Port Royal. Very cool. It was also a great day if you were on the start-finish line because Ryan has started what seems to be a NASCAR Xfinity Series tradition We've seen him do it before, but he gave the winning race flag, the checkers, to a young fan on the start-finish line. Just slid it through the fence to the fan. Uh, A great look at that is at the NASCAR Xfinity Series Twitter handle, at NASCAR underscore Xfinity. And Ryan said, my main thing is to make a memory that will last a lifetime. And it's just, again, the photo of Ryan handing the flag over to a young fan. But not only that... Michael Waltrip, somehow, somehow, he is all over the place, managed to find that young fan and get a picture with him. So if you go to at MW55, Michael's Twitter, you can see a photo of the young fan whose name is Nathan. And Michael just tweeted, it was cool to meet Nathan. He's the young man Blaney gave the checkers to yesterday after his Xfinity Series race victory. I said, you're famous. Can I have your autograph? And Michael actually got Nathan's autograph. He posted a picture with Nathan and with Nathan's autograph. So again, pretty good weekend if your name was Blaney. But we're headed to Bristol for everything Last Great Coliseum. You can follow us at MRN Radio and of course tweet us using the hashtag AskMRN. Thanks, Kim. In a similar social media effort, swing on over to MRN.com. This week we've got our latest in the podcast series. MRN presents the 1993 season 25 years later. We're going to highlight the big Indianapolis Motor Speedway test. And Mark Martin's run for four in a row. Here's a sample of this week's series. So, man, I'll never forget, we, we fired it up, and I drove the Miller Genuine Draft 2 car on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and I'm like, it's official. I'm the first stock car to ever set foot on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I was the first guy. So, and I remember coming through turn one or turn two, accelerating down the back straightaway. And I get all the way down into the back straight when I hear, and I'm hearing all this noise. I'm like, what is going on? And I look up, and there's Earnhardt. He's driving as hard as he could. The tires are cold. He's never been around the racetrack in his life. I will say, and I, was on, I went on the record when we went there, I didn't think we should be there because that was their place. We all know the story of, of and have heard the story of Bill France going to Indy and, and all the controversy and not being able to get in. Okay, you keep in. That's your place. We'll take Daytona because we think it's better. I didn't really feel like we had any business there, and our cars didn't weren't capable of putting on a 
decent show there, in my opinion. Well, Bobby Labonte just got out of his car. And he's he's ill about something. It doesn't seem to be. Ups- I mean, doesn't seem to be anything wrong. What's happened, Bobby? You know, knowing what I know now, I probably wish I wouldn't have because I thought. I mean, I I, I don't want to be. Um, <laughs> that's kind of a wussy back then, evidently. You know what I mean? It's like. Why did get out? I mean, my, my guy, it wasn't that big a deal. But Ernie Irvin continues to harass Dale Earnhardt, so to speak. After the race, we were just kind of talking. I said, you had Earnhardt jacked up there one time. He said, did you see that? He said, I tried to time it exactly where it was in front of y'all's pits where y'all could see that. And Earnhardt, you know, he's, he's like, he's not, he's not shaking his fist mad. He's like, yeah, I mean, just, you know, pumped up and having fun. That's all from this week's MRN Presents, the 1993 season, 25 years later. You can hear that show as well as the first seven at MRN.com and also on iTunes. It's free to download at your convenience. Coming up next, Kyle Busch joins us, and later we'll preview this weekend's race at Bristol. Ladies and gentlemen, a new NASCAR Fantasy Live is back for a new season and new victories. Start your engine! Newly engineered with a new format, new ways to win, new ways to compete, and new ways to earn yourself the title of NASCAR Fantasy Champion. Visit NASCAR.com slash fantasy today to sign up, pick your drivers, and compete for the win. So who you riding with? NASCAR Fantasy Live. In order to maximize a vehicle's performance and efficiency, the proper adjustments need to be made based on the road ahead. That's true for both race car drivers on the track and for truck drivers hauling freight on the highway. But if your truck's equipped with a Detroit DT12 automated manual transmission with intelligent powertrain management, adjustments are made automatically based on GPS terrain mapping, maximizing performance and efficiency. Don't just want better business solutions, demand them. Learn more at demanddetroit.com. Texas winner Kyle Busch joins us next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We welcome you back to NASCAR Live, and we welcome in the winner of the O'Reilly Auto Parts 500 at Texas Motor Speedway. Kyle Busch is back with us. Kyle, congratulations on the win Sunday in Texas. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Lots of changing conditions throughout the weekend and the race. Let's start on Friday when you buckled in uh, to the Interstate Batteries Toyota. What was the feel you had, and was it different from what you expected? Um, no, the, the the feel wasn't different than I expected. I thought everything was kind of uh, normal, new Texas, I guess you'd call it, for uh, for Friday there. So rolled off the truck pretty good, and we were just kind of fine-tuning, trying to find some things for uh, for qualifying speed to uh, make sure that we could get qualified up front. And felt like we had a, a decent shot at, at top five-ish. Um, you know, them Fords are pretty quick, so you'd have to have everything go perfect for you to be able to beat them maybe for the pole. But um, overall, I thought that uh, we, were, we were really close with our Interstate Batteries Camry and only got first round in qualifying, so that was uh, that was kind of where we stacked up. Thankfully, I got a little bit more than a 90 uh, that Adam was asking me for. He's like, oh, we need the 90 to transfer through because uh, nobody really saw that lightning coming. Yeah, and it was, um, well, it was a day of changing weather conditions. Before we go any further in that department, I want to ask you, you just referenced New Texas. This is like uh, a couple of years after they repaved, reconfigured. Is, is the track starting to come in any at all? Um, I thought so last fall because they did all the uh, the prepping and everything of the um, 
the tire dragging and stuff like that. But then uh, getting there this time around, they did the same things, and it just didn't seem like the tire dragging did much. You know, it just didn't uh, didn't lend itself to a wider racetrack at all or anything. So there was certainly some some difficulty there. I think it was more weather conditions and weather related because um, the track was just so cold that it just wasn't taking black, wasn't taking any rubber, and um, wasn't widening it out. So that's kind of what we had. Obviously, your car worked well on the bottom of the racetrack. You didn't have very much wiggle room. What's it like being on a racetrack like that when your lane options are so few and the lane is so narrow? Yeah, it's a challenge. You know, it's definitely not uh, not something that's what any driver looks for. We always look for options. We always want it as wide as possible to be able to race around our competitors and such. But, um, you know, Texas being a relatively one-groove racetrack, even into its full existence there on its old asphalt, um, you know, they – they repaved it and, and now it's just definitely all back on the bottom. You know, it's kind of tough. You got to wait for your competitors to slide off the bottom or make a mistake or do something different uh, in order to, to, to get by them there. So it, it makes it for a challenging race and a challenging day and sometimes frustrating. But um, when you're a little bit better than some of those other guys, you can make some passes. Well, you got through Friday good. Uh, you headed into Saturday, totally different weather conditions seemed like you had a good practice when you got out of the car on Saturday, were you happy with what you got with what you had underneath you for Sunday? Um, yes and no. I felt like we needed to be a tick better than what we were. Um, we tried to a couple different packages because we weren't really focused on exactly what the racetrack was giving us in terms of being able to go out there and race on it, you know? So, um, cause we knew the race conditions weren't going to be anything close to what we had for the practice sessions there. And so we were just kind of trying a couple different packages to see if there was a different feel between the packages and, and, and that we had. And, and there was. And so we kind of zoned in on one that we liked and, uh, and some tendencies that the car gave me feel-wise that, uh, that I thought would be better for us in the race. And we stuck with that. When you get to final practice, is there a predetermined set amount of laps that you would like to run to see what you have as far as a long-term car is concerned? Um, yes and no. You only have 50 minutes. So by the time you get out there and you make a 10, 15, 20 lap run, and then you come in and make a change, you only have time for a 10, 15, 20 lap run again, you know? So, um, if you do the, if you do the short run things, you know, if you go out there, run three or five laps, come in, work on it, go out there, do three or five laps, come in, work on it. You know, you, you have less opportunities of being able to run laps. Um, you know, so we kind of try to spread it out a little bit if we can to kind of get a better feel of what our car is going to do on older, uh, newer tires and older tires rather than cycled tires. You know, you bring up shorter practices, and, and that's something that we've seen this year. For instance, coming up at Bristol this weekend, you got less than an hour to get set for qualifying, and then on Saturday you got less than two hours to get ready for the race on, on Sunday. Has that forced you and the team to change your approach to a race weekend, considering that you have lesser practice time this year than you had last year? It does, yeah, because normally we would unload and we'd unload in a little bit of race trim and then swap over and go to qualifying trim, where this year, you know, we just unloaded straight in qualifying trim and makes it even more challenging, too, when you're uh, when you're only running cup races. You know, you have no Xfinity laps to get out there and kind of burn yourself in and just kind of get refocused and uh, and remember what, what all happens and what all you do at, at that racetrack or if there's a change in the tire, what the tire's going to give you. So you kind of go out there blind and all you have is – three laps basically before you have to go out there and, and qualify in order to get in the show. So um, it changes the driver's perspective in that regard. And then it also changes the team perspective too in uh, preparation. I mean, obviously you always want to unload as good as you can and as fast as you think you can 
to have a good car right off the truck, but I think it puts even more emphasis on that. Chatting with Kyle Busch, winner of the O'Reilly Auto Parts 500 at Texas Motor Speedway. Green flag went in the air on Sunday. Looked like that you folks were pretty much dialed in. There were some, there were some obviously some traffic you had to deal with and the like. All in all, your takeaway from Sunday seemed like pit road was pretty solid for the majority of the day. What's your big takeaway from getting on pit road, getting off pit road, and all points in between there? Yeah, I thought our day was really good, really clean, really smooth. Um, you know, we kind of ran like we have all year long, and there was a, a, a shade of um, a little bit of maybe a second-place finish coming in again with as good as that four-car was. But thankfully, we had the track position when we needed it. We were out front, and uh, the racetrack lended itself to our hands a little bit to where it was difficult for the four-car to make a pass on us there at the end. So um, maybe the fastest car didn't win the race, but certainly the second-fastest car did. I felt like we were really, really close, and, really, really matched up uh, to the four there late in the race, uh, more so than what we were earlier in the race when he was able to get by us. You know, it used to be, Kyle, that when when you had two cars that were fairly close week in and week out, that, you know, you're trying to find a half second here, you're trying to find a quarter second there. What's it down to these days when you're basically even with someone? What's What's the difference between the two, three, or four other cars that you're racing with? What are you trying to find? Uh, it's I mean, you still want to be as fast as you can, but uh, essentially I think it's down to less than a tenth. It might even be half a tenth of a second that you're looking for. So uh, it's it's really tight. It's really close. And the crazy thing about the, the mile and a half is you can hit a lap, and, man, you can hit, let's just say, a, a 27.10 or something like that, and yet your consistent laps will be in the 28 range, you know, a 27.28, um, so a tenth and a half off. But, it's crazy that um, if you just hit it absolutely perfect, which I don't know if you can every single lap, I certainly haven't been able to do it. Uh, there's still a tenth out there. Even so, if you do hit that lap one time or even two times, you know, you're probably burning up one tire more so over another, and uh, it's only going to hurt you in the long haul. So consistency is definitely key. One of the issues that came out of the race yesterday uh, that impacted some of the teams were the air guns, and obviously they were mandated by NASCAR. Um, NASCAR says that it's collecting data to address whatever issues are going on with these guns. Is, is this a serious issue that needs some, some quick attention right now, in your opinion? What is your opinion on this air gun situation that we happen to see popping up, seems like, week in and week out? I'm just not a fan of more rules and more regulations and more spec racing. I mean, uh, we've got these composite bodies in the Xfinity series. I think that takes away from the brilliance of fabricators and the guys that you have in your building and your shop and kind of puts their hands behind their backs. And it also, the air guns does the same things with the pit crews. You know, it's been uh, long talked about that the JGR camp has had really good pit crews and really good pit stops. And when you look at all the data and everything that you have right now, we've had some issues with guns as well throughout the year, but it seems like uh, our guys and our coaching staff and everything that we've got going on, it just seems like we continue to, to be the top teams. Uh, the 11, the 18, we're, we're up there in the top four each and every week of pit stops, and there's uh, a couple floaters that are that are right there as well that, um, you know, one might be second one week and fifth the next, and reverse might be third and sixth the next, you know. So um, it, it just it all comes down to, to people and strength and, and who you've got going on uh, your side. Seems like that we're headed down the path to your point about uh, some some spec things, uh, sharing of data, obviously going on. 
are we so far down the path that we're past the point of no return on some of this and you have to adjust accordingly? Or, or is there the possibility that we could reverse course on some of what's going on right now? I think you can always reverse course. I mean, there's, there's certainly a rule book that's thicker than the Bible that we all have to abide by these days. And if you cut that thing in half, it would certainly open up the, the engineering pool of people and, and things in which that we can all go and work on. But obviously, everybody's going to say that that's going to spend more money. But um, when you look at it, you know, you've got the grand scheme of things of a Joe Gibbs Racing or a Hendrick Motorsports or even a Penske Racing that their budgets are upwards of $100 million for four cars to go out there and, and, and race, you know. So we're going to figure out where we're going to spend that hundreds of millions of dollars and and where we need to cut back on some spending and where we need to put more spending and whatever it might be. Um, we hope that the, the, the sponsors continue to spend money with us in that regard, that the, the spend doesn't become less. But, um, you know, it, it's always to your advantage to just, go spend everything you got. I mean, sometimes that's what uh, that's what it boils down to, and that's what teams are going to do forever. I look at Ferrari and Mercedes in F1. I mean, those are the top two teams, and, and obviously they probably have the biggest budgets, but also they're the ones that just continue to spend to be the top two teams and have been for the course of, um, I don't know, probably this decade. More coming up with Kyle Busch. I'm not blooming good. I'm blooming great. Put a shrimp on the barbie and sizzle my steak. Woo! I want that honey to bloom and it get in my senses like a sonic boom. No rules, just right. So cold, so nice. And I'm so, 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 so ready for that Outback Steak tonight. Outback Steak House. That's what it's all about. Outback Steak House. great. The Country 500 Music Festival is back at Daytona International Speedway. How do you like me? Chris Stapleton, Dirk Bentley, Sugarland, Billy Currington, and so much more. Country 500 Memorial Day weekend, May 25th, 26th, and 27th. For tickets and information, visit country500.com. Sponsored in part by Budweiser. We've got more with Kyle Busch next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Spending time with the winner of the O'Reilly Auto Parts 500 Sunday at Texas Motor Speedway. Kyle Busch joining us on NASCAR Live. Kyle, before we start talking about Bristol, I'm curious. Had a chance to visit with Christopher Bell. He told me that he likes to collect cardboard checks from dirt track races, from sprint car races. You've won a ton of races. What from those wins do you collect and do you cherish? Um, certainly the trophies. I think uh, also the notoriety. I think it's pretty cool when you go to the Snowball Derby and your name is on the T-shirt every year that the people pick up and buy as their souvenir for the 50th annual Snowball Derby or the 47th or whatever it might be. You know, your your name is now on the back of that. Uh, same with the Winchester 400. My shirt, my name's on the back of that one. I think the Anderson, uh, the Red Bud. 300 which i think the anderson 400 it's the same race so um that that's that's pretty cool to me is to, to see your name on that the back of that t-shirt which you'll see forever i know that you love racing in those races is there one over the other that either you haven't won or you take more pride in winning than all the rest uh, i think since everybody puts so much into the the snowball derby i'd say winning the snowball derby is uh is pretty cool 
Um, you know, I ran there back in 2002 as my first one. And then I went back in um, uh, 2009, I think it was, and I won. And then ran again in 2011, finished uh, third to Eric Jones. And then ran it again this past year for the 50th and won. So I got a 50% batting average there of going to victory lane in that race. So that one's pretty cool. Um, winning the Winchester 400 school, winning out in uh, Kern County. I think Kern County is kind of the biggest race that's coming up nowadays with all the West coast guys and even some East coast guys that uh, it's $30,000 to win. That's the richest payday of, of short track racing out there in Kern. So those guys do a great job. That racetrack is, uh, is immaculate. It's pretty cool to run. It's a lot of fun too. So uh, that's turning into a hot spot out there. Well, speaking of hot spots, Bristol Motor Speedway is a hot spot for you. You have won a ton of times there. Interested to know, what is it about you and Bristol that seem to go hand in hand? Uh, man, I, I'm not sure. I wish I knew. There's probably times that uh, a lot more races there that I could have, should have won than maybe I have won, you know. So that, imagine what they would say uh, if, if I got all of them, you know. But um just love that racetrack. It's a lot of fun. It reminds me a lot of, uh, of uh, Winchester and being able to go there, especially in the last couple of years since you've had to kind of go up and run the top. But I like it when the bottom's available. You know, when them spraying that, that spray down on the bottom of the racetrack, it just kind of widens the racing groove out. You're not stuck behind people, and you have options. And drivers, again, we, we love options. And so when they ground that place a few years ago and everybody started running around the top, I think it kind of hurt the show overall. Um, but with the spray down on the bottom, I think it adds an element that is interesting to all of us as competitors because the track changes continuously throughout the entire weekend, let alone throughout the race. How much of racing at Bristol is being in rhythm, developing a rhythm and trying to stick to it as much as possible? Uh, I would say that I would say that that's a, a good thing that you need to figure out there. Um, you know, it's about you can make laps, you can make fast laps, you can be aggressive and you can be um, kind of crazy or erratic, if you will. But um, being able to do fast laps and be smooth with it, I think, is probably key. Well, we wish you the best in trying to get all that accomplished, picking up another Bristol trophy and checkered flag. Congratulations on the Texas win, and we'll sit back, relax, and see what you got for him this weekend in Thunder Valley. Sounds fun. I'm looking forward to it. Always a good time in Bristol. Appreciate it. That's Kyle Bush, winner of the O'Reilly Auto Parts 500 at Texas Motor Speedway over the weekend. Kyle taking him to the woodshed, and be careful, folks. He could do it again this weekend in Bristol. Coming up next, we'll look back on this week in NASCAR history. Battery testing from AutoZone helps you do a lot. It saves someone from buying a new battery they didn't need. It helps start a truck, a car, a minivan, not once, but twice, and it proved that this ride only had a loose cable. Just one less thing to worry about. And it's just one of the services that AutoZone offers for free. From battery testing to helpful advice, doing more is what we do best. See store for details. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Progressive presents Get Pumped. Inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Get your head in the game. This ain't no exhibition match. This is for real. You've got a house to insure, and there are no excuses because Progressive's Home Quote Explorer makes it easier than ever to get the coverage you need. Here's some music to get you pumped. Don't feel that confidence. Did I say stop saving money? No. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. This is NASCAR Live. 
Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to head for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live. But before we do, we will preview this weekend's Food City 500 at Bristol. But first, let's open up those history books one more time for this week in NASCAR history. This week, we begin in 1988. Billy Ocean is number one on the radio with Get Out of My Dreams and Into My Car. In the news, 60s pop star Sonny Bono was elected mayor of Palm Springs, California, and NASCAR was racing at Bristol. Bill Elliott blew past Jeff Bodine with three laps to go to win the Valleydale Meets 500. The gamble they took to pull out of pit road and put the tires on, they really wasn't a gamble at all. They didn't have anything to lose being on a lap for themselves, and it might have been a mistake for Jeff Bodine not to come in and get fresh rubber, but who knows? They're in turn three. They said a Ford couldn't do it, but it's two Fords up at the front of the pack. Bill Elliott and Mark Martin showing the way. And Mark Martin can't make the charge. Bill Elliott, for the first time in his illustrious Winston Cup career, picks up a victory on a short track. Do we want to get right? Our next stop is 1992. Def Leppard is number one with let's get rocked the 56th annual masters golf tournament was held and it was fred couples winning his one and only green jacket and nascar was at north wilkesboro davy allison held off rusty wallace to win the first union 400 this time davy blocks off an inside lane so rusty can't make the move to the inside of the racetrack nose to tail at the end of the back straightaway rusty right as well as buffer looking to the inside for a chance to get by wallace looks to the inside but davy allison has the momentum and the lead and the win in the first union 400 his 15th career win his second win of the year after the victory in the daytona 500 by stp and we end this week in 2010 Lady Antebellum has the number one song with Need You Now. Phil Mickelson won the 74th Masters in Augusta. TBS announced that Conan O'Brien would be hosting a new late-night talk show. And NASCAR was at ISM Raceway in Phoenix. Ryan Newman passed Jeff Gordon with two laps to go in the Subway Fresh Fit 600. It's a quarter after one. This is going to come down to a two-car battle. Ryan Newman and Jeff Gordon knows the tail into turn three and four. Gordon's going to do everything he can, trying to take away the inside line from Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman holds him off, coming down to the line. It's been since his Daytona 500 win back in February of 2008 that finally he gets back to victory lane. Ryan Newman is going to win tonight in the Subway Fresh Fit 600. And those are just some of the events of this week in NASCAR history. This weekend, we're headed to Bristol Motor Speedway for a preview. Here's our Susie Armstrong. Thank you, Mike. The Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series teams head to Thunder Valley this week for the Food City 500 at Bristol Motor Speedway. Five-time BMS winner Kurt Busch returns to the grueling high banks, hoping to find lightning in a bottle once again. For Bush, the race weekend's unique characteristics are its best qualities. Look forward to coming to Bristol with the atmosphere, the way the track's designed, uh, the way that the the intimate setting is so cool for the fans. Um, you know, just the the fact there's no garage area here. We work out on pit road. Uh, there's so many little small things that are fun and unique about Bristol, and then the race itself um, with the the pit strategy and, and how the tires play out and uh, the low lane versus the high lane there's so many different things you always have to adjust to and uh, and then roll with how things are unfolding throughout the race wielding the number 10 Stuart Haas racing Ford Eric Almarola strikes out for Eastern Tennessee 
focused on improving his results on the half mile. I've pretty much thrown everything from the past out the window. I mean, I've I've surpassed all of my past results already in these first uh, six races. So to uh, to go back to Bristol, a place that I really enjoy racing at and a place that I feel comfortable at and I, I like to race there um, with these Stuart Haas racing cars is, is a track that I kind of have circled on my calendar uh, as a place that we can go and get the job done. Determined to better his 2017 Bristol finishes, Austin Dillon relies on the track's consistencies to provide a baseline for improvement. Martinsville, Bristol, those type of places, you kind of have something that you can lean on there because it, it, nothing really changes. Those places are just hardcore tracks that you have to have some drivability and that you've built into the car mechanically. You know, I look forward to Bristol each year. I think we got something better this year as far as our brake package and what we've got as far as a car entry stability is good. So we'll just uh, keep working on mechanical grip while we're there and, and see what we can come out of that place with. Scoring two top tens in four Bristol starts, Chase Elliott believes success on the tough short track boils down to managing the intensity and traffic. You don't really have much of a break and it's just all the time wide open and, and knowing <clears throat> how quickly the leader can get back to you to put you a lap down I think is one thing that um, keeps everybody on their toes and, and probably keeps the intensity up and as we know you know the race uh, a lot of times it where it gets interesting is when the leader catches lap traffic and he's got to work his way through and that guy in second might you know navigate the traffic better so I think that you know just makes the racing that much more entertaining the food city 500 takes the green this sunday afternoon at bristol motor speedway just after 2 p.m eastern for this week's nascar live race preview i'm Susie armstrong thanks Susie. short track race number two of the season coming up this weekend it's going to be a dandy our thanks to kyle bush for joining us on today's show also to casey kane and to richmond raceway president dennis bigmeyer for the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's NASCAR Live, and we'll talk to you next week right here. So long, everyone. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and Daytona Beach, Florida, and was brought to you by Hercules Tires. Right on our strength. Today's broadcast was produced by Rich Colbert. Remember to visit MRN.com to get all of the latest NASCAR news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com.